Ladies, and welcome to episode 11 of Headlines and Coffee, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Generator. I hope this finds everyone doing well and living their best life. Today, we have a special guest, but before we bring her on, let's bring on producer Bill. Hey, how's it going, Jen? I'm good. I need to mute my YouTube, apparently. That just totally distracted me. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you, Bill? Uh, if I was doing anything better today, I, I got no complaints. You know, uh, you would think I'm a liberal. I'm so happy. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm, you, I'm really liking the Cobra Kai shirt. Oh, thank you. Actually, I oh my gosh, we're so waiting for season four. I thought I read somewhere that Cobra Kai season four was going to be the last one. Mm-hmm. So that I, I'm sad about that. But at the same time, you know, everything's got to come to an end. But, you know, have you ever watched the show? I was just going to say, I've never seen it. <laughs> oh, Jen, it's right up your alley. I really think you'd enjoy it a lot. Man, the the team is in here quick today. Wicked Gen yeah, X and, and Scott, they were fired nice. up and ready to go. All right. I love it. So um, to start the show, as you guys know, last week we talked about um, the stupid Rolling Stones and their top 500 greatest songs of all time, which was a the, bullshit. That list. Rolling Stone magazine list. Yeah. So, but because of that, we now had the idea of, you know, somebody said, I think it was Scott that said like, we should do yeah. our own top 10. So this week we're going to go over our top 10 favorite food restaurants. Woo. Yeah. Bill, do all you right. want to start off? Yeah, I'll definitely start us off. Uh, my favorite fast food joints. And, and there's going to be probably one Maybe two on here that folks have not heard of, and that's okay. okay. But uh, number 10, you know, I, I don't eat it anymore. I haven't ate it for a long time, but you got to throw McDonald's in there. Yeah. And, you know, McDonald's food, I guess it was fine back in the day, but being as health conscious as I am now, can't do mm-hmm. it. And uh, I actually love the movie The Founder, which is based on uh, the the guy who – he didn't find McDonald's, Mm-hmm. But he turned it into the multi-global franchise that it is, and it's uh, played by Michael Keaton. It's a phenomenal movie. But oh, I, I guess that's it. I mean, yeah, oh yeah, highly recommend it. Great movie. Okay, well, for my number ten, I picked Sonic because I love the tater tots, and I'm not a big hot dog fan, but their chili cheese dogs are amazing, and their peach, uh, what is it? Their peach cream slushes, love it. Mm. Okay, it's delicious. <laughs> All right, number nine. Some of you may know them as checkers, and some of you know them as rallies. Rallies would probably be higher on my list, but here lately, uh, over the last few years, they took a real big nosedive. For the longest time, rallies had the best fries on the planet, bar none. Mm-hmm. But over the last couple of years, it's taken a real nosedive into shitholism. Oh, sad. I I don't think I think the only thing I've ever had at checkers is their. Um they got the p- potato skins there, don't they? Uh, the checkers and rallies are both owned by the same corporation. I think the menu varies different from store to store. Mm-hmm. Like I know rallies, checkers doesn't have this, but rallies has uh, the ch- the $2 chicken bite box, which after my second divorce kept me alive for a few years. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was, uh, it varies a little bit from play- like rallies and, or not rallies, Hardee's and Carl's Jr. Okay. It kind of, yeah, it kind of varies a little bit different menu to menu. What's your number nine, Jen? Uh, my number nine is mcdonald's i love their french fries i think uh mcdonald's fries are probably one of my top favorites like if we were going to ever categorize fries uh mcdonald's would definitely be in like Mm -hmm. the top three um and their chicken chicken nuggets are really good but i really Mm -hmm. love their mcchicken sandwich okay that's my favorite have you ever had a mcgangbang 
<laughs> no. Okay. I've had the same reaction the first time I heard of it. <laughs> but basically you get a double cheeseburger and you get a McChicken. You take the chicken uh, off of the chicken sandwich and you put it in the middle of the two beef patties on uh-huh. the uh, on the on the uh burger the double cheeseburger yeah. and that's a mid gangbang. Oh wow, that's uh that's interesting. I'm I might have to <laughs> I know, terrible name, but it's actually pretty good especially if you've had a few. Yeah. All right, number 8. <laughs> I've got Taco Bell. Enough said. What what can you say about Taco? Yeah. Bell? I mean, it's Taco Bell minus Panera bread. Okay. Now, I meant to ask you about that. Is Panera considered fast food? Um, I consider it fast food just because, okay. I mean, it does, I mean, I don't really know what your classification, I mean, you get it fast. Like that was yeah. my classification for it. You know, you That's can, true. That, that was, I don't know. All right. Number what? seven. Number seven. Oh. Uh, this is one. Oh yeah. That's right. You got your number eight. My number eight was Panera Bread. Oh, golly. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Number seven is, uh, Indies. That's I N D I apostrophe S. It is, mm-hmm. uh, Uh, There's only like five of them in between Louisville and Lexington, Kentucky, but that is the best fast food chicken joint ever. I mean, wings, breasts, uh, get me, get me, mom, if you're going to Indy's, get me some mac and cheese on the side. (laughs) Yeah. Indy's great stuff. Okay. Um, So my number seven, I actually haven't had this place in a really, really long time. I fell in love with it when I was stationed in Virginia. Baja Fresh. They had like the most amazing burritos. I've heard of it, but I've never mm-hmm. eaten there. I have heard it's, of it, though. Now, I don't know if it's still good. So if people have a Baja Fresh near them and you eat there and you're like, oh, this is gross. I don't know. I haven't eaten there in years. I just mm-hmm. remember their burritos were my favorite. Gotcha. All right. Number All right. six. Uh, Burger King. And basically because of the Whopper and nothing else. Everything else on Wendy's menu, the fries are not good. Mm-hmm. The drinks are never. The drinks taste watered down. But damn, you just can't beat a Whopper when it comes to burgers. Whoppers are really good. Um, my number six is Taco Bell. Okay. Uh, let's see. Number five for me is KFC, but only if it's got the buffet. I didn't know there was a KFC buffet. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Most KF- yeah. A lot of KFCs had a buffet where you walk in and oh my God, their cherry cobbler was the shiznit. I mean, I don't but, really go like in to eat at fast foods. I usually just go through drive <laughs> Well, and I think that's the way we're basically going now. The pandemic, I think it's changed everything. I think mm-hmm. everybody is pretty much just almost going drive through only and that's fine. But mm-hmm. KFC, when they had the buffet, that, that was my jam. I could put away some stuff and apparently that's why I had to have gastric sleeve surgery <laughs> <laughs> what's your number five uh my number five is moe's oh, okay yeah yeah i do like moe's i like moe's right. better than chipotle okay uh my number four hardy's monster double thick burger another reason i probably had to have gastric sleeve surgery the monster <laughs> double thick burger oh my yeah, that was the only burger i enjoyed more than the whopper but hardy's actually had some really good deals in their apple pies mm-hmm. were really good but uh they also had some really good breakfast bowls and breakfast sandwiches nice uh my number four is kfc you can't beat their chicken and their their gravy. I, oh my god, I'm a huge mashed potato and gravy fan, and they're mm. I don't know what they do to their gravy, but it's like crap. It's yummy. Uh, their, their gravy's good. I despise their mashed potatoes, but they have the best coleslaw of any fast food. And I'm not a coleslaw fan. Oh, <laughs> what is wrong with you? Lots uh, of things. <laughs> well, good thing we have a medical professional coming on with us today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, Jen, stop eating that crap. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Number three. Oh, my God. It's God's chicken, but God, is it good. Chick-fil-A. 
Chick- oh, I cannot believe I don't have Chick Fil A on my list. What is wrong with me? That's <laughs> <laughs> chicken is. Yeah, lots of things are wrong with me. My number three is Arby's. I grew up loving the Arby melt, and I still to this day will order an Arby melt. I, I used to like Arby's a lot, but here lately, and maybe this is just in the area where I live because there's mm-hmm. only two Arby's. Man, they've taken a nosedive as far as food quality, and that this was before the pandemic. There, yeah, like I wanted to put Long John Silver's on this list, but the one Long John Silver's where I live is now closed, and before mm-hmm. they went out of business, it was shitty. I mean, yeah. it was so bad. I mean, that was kind of my last experience with Long John Silver's and Captain D's. Right. Okay, number two. You know, Bill loves him some chicken. Popeyes. <laughs> you got, you're just missing churches unless you got churches as number one. No, no, God, no. No, my thing with Popeyes though, and I know this is going to sound strange, but I've been to New Orleans a couple of times uh-huh. and it's the close, I know it sounds like, no, you're making this shit up. No, I swear to God, the closer you get to Popeyes, the or New Orleans, the chicken is better. Mm-hmm. At each Popeyes as you get closer. Like they do yeah, have like, some really good mashed potatoes and gravy. Oh, I really yeah. do like their mashed potatoes and gravy. Yeah, they got that Cajun mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's really good. Uh my number two, this is uh mainly an Ohioan thing, is Skyline Chili. I love that oh. place. And I, I just can't get enough of it. I like so do you prefer Skyline over uh, obviously you do. You prefer Skyline over Gold Star? I don't know what Gold Star is. Really? I thought that was an Ohio thing too. Might be a Maybe Cincinnati a thing. thing. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, because if you go. Well, no, it wouldn't I, I, be. It wouldn't be a Cincinnati thing. Okay. Well, I go to Reds and Bengals games all the time, and you can't go and not have Skyline Chili. Yeah, exactly. Like, you yeah. have to have Cincinnati Chili. All right. Number one, drum roll. Uh, my number one is Wendy's. <gasps> and the Wendy's fries are okay. Their burgers are good. But you cannot beat their breakfast sandwiches. The breakfast Baconade, oh my God, they had the best breakfast sandwiches in in the game and the best Twitter game. Oh my God. <laughs> Twi- they, do, when, they do have a pretty good PR. <laughs> Wendy's, whoever started uh, roasting Wendy's just gave them the door to open. And yeah. so Wendy's, Wendy's, you know, between the Twitter game, the uh, breakfast sandwiches and having better, uh, above average burgers, they're my number one. Well, that's kind of interesting that Wendy's is your number one because QP is my number one. And if you, so QP is a local burger joint in Lima, Ohio only. Like that's, mm-hmm. so um, now I could have the story wrong. This is just what I remember growing up being told to me. So QP, Dave Thomas was actually involved with QP one way or another. I don't remember if he mm-hmm. was a co founder or what. He was involved with QP one way or another. He wanted to make QP nationwide. And the mm-hmm. owner was like, no. And so then Dave Thomas branches off and makes Wendy's. So awesome. that's really interesting that your number one is Wendy's and mine is QP. QP's amazing. If you ever go to Lima, Ohio, I highly mm-hmm. recommend QP get their special with fries and a chocolate malt. That's amazing. Okay. No In-N-Out burger. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but In-N-Out, that's really more of west of the Mississippi type deal, isn't it? I know In-N-Out burger is really big, Arizona, uh, Nevada, yeah, and California. I think, I, so I get In-N-Out and Whataburger mixed up. So I know one of okay. them is mostly a West Coast thing. The other one's like a Southern thing. Now, Whataburger is the Southern thing because okay. my wife and I, our first trip to Florida last year, we had Whataburger for the very first time. I really enjoyed it. I really liked it. My wife really liked it. But one Sampling doesn't really give you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Jen says it's a California thing. I'm not sure what a Bucky's is. No, no idea. Uh, sorry no about that. No idea. Sorry, you guys. 
Um, but yeah, so that's it for our top 10. We do have a list, but if you guys have any other ideas, go ahead and drop it in the comments and I'll write them down with um, the other three ideas that we have laying right there. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So um, we don't have, like I said, any today in history. So we're going to talk about a few headlines. All right. So today, Pentagon leaders testified on the withdrawal of Afghanistan. This includes Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, Chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff, uh, Army General Mark Milley, and U.S. Central Command Commander Marine General Kenneth McKenzie. Um, so I only watched a little bit of it today, and the little bit that I watched was when Senator Hawley, he pretty much called out Secretary Austin for lying about leaving Americans behind. Of course, Secretary Austin tried some word judo, but Senator Hawley wasn't really falling for it. Um, it has been reported that General Milley admits he pushed pushed for the troops to stay in Afghanistan. Nothing really more for that. Like I said, this is still developing because when I watched it, um, I watched it before lunchtime, before they took like their uh, 1300 rec- 1 o'clock uh, PM recess. Sorry for those of you that don't mil- know military time. Um, so I'm still waiting. So uh, I'm sorry. So General Milley admits uh, he pushed for the troops to stay, but I'm still waiting for this guy, among others, to be tried, whether it be court martial or federal court for treason. I don't understand why this isn't happening. Um, I watched as much as I could. Um, so like I said, this is still developing. From what I caught, Pakistan and Taliban is going to become a more complicated issue in the future. That was co- that came from General McKenzie. Um, we left Americans behind, but are supposedly working to get them out 30 days later after we pulled out. Weird, huh? And these leaders all still failed to take accountability. Speaking of leaders taking accountability, U.S. Marine Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller is now being held in a military prison. Lieutenant Colonel Scheller is the commander that was relieved of his duty after publicly asking for leaders to take accountability. It is unknown as to why he's being held. This is still a developing story. This was reported by Lieutenant uh, Colonel Scheller's father on Monday. And... For those of you that believe gun control works, 15 were shot on Monday alone in Chicago. Normally, I don't talk about stuff like this, but considering 15 in one day were shot, Chicago has some of the strictest gun laws in the country, yet I read every week how many people were shot throughout the weekend. Every once in a while, it's reported how many were shot during a weekday. This week, 15 were shot. Six of them were fatalities. Among the fatalities, an eight-year-old boy was shot and killed while playing outside after school. The supposed target was his 18-year-old brother. How sad is it that a little boy can't even play outside without the fear of being shot and killed? So far for the month of September, this is September alone, 371 people have been shot and wounded with 83 shot and killed. That is 454 people total in only one month. What the lefties do not realize, there are solutions for this. Gun control is not it. Criminals do not typically buy guns legally. Maybe focus Focuses should be to eliminate the illegal gun markets. On top of that, maybe community outreach programs should be focused on more to help people in those communities. Help those that feel there are no other avenues in life aside from joining gangs. Bring back the war on gang activities. There are options out there. But instead, Mayor Beetlejuice is too busy focusing on her hypocritical COVID policies and claiming racism where racism doesn't exist. What is racist is leaving these communities behind who are predominantly black. That's just me. All right. So that is it for the headlines. So now we're going to move on to the Raider Report. And like I said, today we have a guest who goes by the name of Rogue Warrior on TikTok. She is one that I talk to frequently on my lives on TikTok. Waiting for Bell to bring her. There she is. Jessica, how are you? Hey, I'm well. How are you doing, Jen? Oh, I'm doing as good as I can. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's good to see you. 
it's good to see you too. And like, actually like officially meet you. Like we do talk a lot when I go on live, but you know, this first time we've kind of like quote unquote seen face to face, I guess that's the best way to put it. So it's really cool. Um, so let's, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, so I'm a single mom. I've been single for about six years. Um, so my daughter's my world. She's 13 years old. Um, very proud of her. She's a multi-instrument musician. Um, so she's, she's involved in a lot of, of, uh, music and I'm going to Disney in the next few months to perform with her school band. So that's exciting. Um, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. So I've spent 24 years of my career in healthcare, uh, mainly on the side of dentistry, but I spent 15 of those years in oral and maxillofacial surgery. So actually assisting the physicians in surgery, um, traveling to the hospital with them, um, things like that. So um, that's kind of my background, a lot of okay. education. I've done, I've been an instructor, all kinds of stuff. So kind of done okay. a little bit of it all. Yeah. All right. So then on top of that, you probably have a lot of like friends and people, you know, that's in the medical community, obviously. I do. I actually okay. have two physicians in my family now. Oh, wow. Nice. Um, okay. Yeah. So before we really get into like the medical stuff, um, what's your political affiliation? Um, so I would say that before the last few years, I leaned a little bit more libertarian, Mm -hmm. um, more moderate. And I would say as time goes on and I get a little bit older and the current uh, climate, I'm more on the conservative, uh, approach. So, okay. All right. Uh, I mean, I think that like, and, and this is one thing I don't like about like our side is we split ourselves up into so many little sections, like. I don't know. I use conservative as kind of, yeah, yeah exactly. Like we have all these subcategories. It's like, I, I, I broad pretty much broaden all of us into like Republican or conservative, depending on if you're a little bit left or a little bit more right. I don't know. Like, cause I, when we start getting into like libertarian, independent, constitutionalist, like right. libertarian to me, in my opinion, like especially libertarian and constitutionalist, like you guys are still fall under the conservative category, but that's just sure. my opinion. Absolutely. Um, all right. So what are your thoughts on the mandates for the medical personnel? Um, so I think it's a really unfortunate situation. Um, you know, you've heard uh, you've heard it time and time again, medical professionals saying that we were last year's heroes. Mm-hmm. And now this year we're unemployed um, because we we believe strongly. You know, you have to remember at the end of the day, we have families that we go home to. We have children. Mm-hmm. Um, we have personal decisions. We have medical backgrounds. So, um, you know, and the thing about it is no medication on the market is a one size fits all. Right. Um, so that's something that's not getting talked about. So people's extensive medical histories and the talks between them and their physicians um, is kind of gone off the table at this point. So, mm-hmm. um, and we know this as medical, medical professionals, this is something that we don't talk about outside of closed doors, um, typically because it's uh, encroachment on HIPAA, correct? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so you have to remember that when we leave our jobs, we have those same backgrounds, just like the patients that we treat. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're really fighting not just for our rights, but everybody's rights um, to be able to go into the workplace and just um, work safely. So mm-hmm. um, I would say that there's a couple of principles that we have always applied that has worked um, over the course of, of modern medicine. And those principles look like things like cross-contamination, the understanding of cross-contamination, um, and then also uh, treating people with the principle of 
um, universal precaution. Mm-hmm. Um, and what basically, uh, just to break that down for your viewers, if they don't understand, universal precaution um, is utilized, let's say, you may not know somebody's background. You may not know if they have AIDS or they have hepatitis or they mm-hmm. have something that's a communicable disease, correct? And so we treat that patient as if they are infectious. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've that's always- That's everybody. Right. Okay. Um, because you don't know. Sometimes mm-hmm. you don't know. Sometimes you're in situations, you're in emergency situations, say you're EMS or you're first on site. Um, Mm -hmm. You're treating patients without prior knowledge of their background. Um, So you have to treat that patient as if whatever you're coming into contact with is highly infectious, highly contagious. So we've always applied those principles with every patient that we come across, and it's always worked. We survived every one of these things. So Yeah. So um, you kind of mentioned it a little bit. So I'm sure you've heard this before where a lot of especially lefties are like, Oh, well, if you don't get the shot or if you don't get the vaccine, then you shouldn't get to go to the emergency room and get care. Um, And I like I just I can't help. And I I know a lot of us compare it to like, okay, well, what if someone got into a car accident and didn't wear their seatbelt? Should you not treat them? So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's a nasty statement. I think that's more of a reflection of who they are um, as mm-hmm. individuals rather than healthcare workers. Um, I, I think it's it, you, everyone knows that we take a Hippocratic oath. We're not the only industry that does it, but mm-hmm. um, we're the better known industry for doing it. Um, and even at the lower level, the tech, the assistants, we all take those oaths when we go to school. Right. Um, and you know, the first principle of that is to do no harm. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is in in this current climate with all of the confusion, lack of information, um, twisting of science, we don't know if we're doing harm. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we, we just simply don't know. Um, and we don't know how someone's medical, their their records, their background, what they've had done previously. Um, we don't know how that's going to interact with this mm-hmm. vaccine. Um, and so I, I say to those people, um, think of it as if it was yourself, you know, think of it as if you were told by your physician that you cannot receive the vaccine for one reason or another, say you're going through chemo and you can't take that vaccine, but you get sick otherwise, and you need to go seek care. Um, do you think that it's fair that somebody says, I'm not going to treat you because you haven't taken this? Um, and so, I think, I think, you know, to kind of sum it all up, I think there's not very many of those voices out there, but they're definitely being highlighted in our media um, mm-hmm. and they're sounding a lot louder than they actually are. Um, so we just have to get louder and we have yeah. to make it understood that this is not tolerated, not in general society. And it's also not tolerated in the, in the medical community. We, all of us stand for um, body autonomy. Uh-huh. Okay. So, I mean, you kind of brought it up. So I have to follow on questions to what you just said. So, um, when do you think, and I know that it's kind of a fine line because I know like there's been some things in the past where, um, all this goes against my like religion. And so I'm not going to treat them in this manner. Do you think that this, like when doctors are refusing to treat patients just because they're not getting the vaccine, like, do you think that goes against the Hippocratic oath? 
I'm sorry. Can you repeat the last part of that? Yeah, I, I saw you frozen. I was like, uh-oh. Um, so when doctors refuse to treat patients just because they don't have the vaccine, like, do you think that goes against the Hippocratic Oath? Even though a lot of us are pulling like, well, I'm not getting the vaccine because of my religious beliefs. Like, what if there's, I mean, I don't know what religion would tell you you can't treat somebody because of something they choose to do or not do. But I know there's been like instances of that like way back in the day, but now that's like coming to light again. Like, do you think that that's against the Hippocratic Oath? Um, I, I absolutely do. Um, I, I don't think anyone should be labeled out or situated out because they're not going to, you know, receive a certain level of care. Um, us as educators. So that's how we kind of, you know, when you've been in the field a long time, that's what you call yourself. You're an educator. You sit mm -hmm. often chair side with the patient um, when the physician walks out of the room. Um, and you're the one that really educates the patient because when the doctor comes in, people have white coat syndrome, they shut down. Um, and so a lot of times they're looking to you to hold their hand. They're looking to you for guidance. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, throughout the process of my career, um, I've learned that I never, ever give a patient one option. Mm -hmm. There's always, kind of like in the sales world, there's a, a good, better, best scenario. Um, we've always given people treatment options, whether it's based off of finances, whether it's based off of uh, level of care, um, whether it's based off of what their previous history is there's always more than one option. So mm -hmm. um, you're finding that the medical community is coming forward and they're saying, this is all very confusing because we've, are, we've always had treatment presentations, chair side, mm -hmm. where we give multiple um, treatment presentations, not just one, it could, because nothing is a one size fits all, nothing. Right. Okay. You know, there's people out there that have cancer and they choose not to go yeah. chemo, but there's other things that they can do, mm -hmm. um, even if they're just, you know, wanting comfortability until their end of life. Um, right. There's certain things that they, they are offered. So, um, yeah, that's the it's completely against that oath, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I'm not in the medical field at all, but I just feel like it would be kind of like if a police officer showed up and watched a husband like beat the spouse. And then the spouse was like, well, I'm not vaccinated. Oh, I'm not going to help you and walk away. Exactly. You know what I mean, like, I, I kind of exactly. feel like it's along the same lines. Um, so then the other thing that you had mentioned about like people that can't get the vaccine because of medical reasons. Um, why, why, I mean, I think I know, I know my own answer and you probably are going to say the same thing. But why do you think that that's not ever talked about? Like they, they in the media to include the president, the press secretary, all of them, they're always talking about herd immunity, which we know that this doesn't, this doesn't apply. Herd immunity doesn't apply with this vaccine, but they always talk about herd immunity because we got to protect those that can't get vaccinated. But yet we never talk about those that can't get vaccinated. It's, it's either you get it or you're a piece of shit. Right. You're yeah. SOL, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's various reasons why someone wouldn't be able to take the vaccine. Um, and I won't go through them all because obviously we don't have time, but, um, just because I'm a transparent person, I'll go ahead and say, I'm one of those people. My physician mm -hmm. actually advises me not to get it. Um, I recently had an implant and a bone graft placed in my lower back. Um, and basically the wording was if I get an infection around that. So we know that when we do inoculations of any sort, um, which there's an argument that this is not an inoculation and, um, I can get into that if you would like me to, but, um, 
but you're essentially infecting the human body with, you know, at least some of that virus, right? Mm -hmm. You're introducing it to the system. Um, and so that can be uh, calls for concern in the fact that it can create an infection around a site um, that is healing and um, attack that site. And so mm -hmm. what could happen essentially is that I lose the bone graft and the implant. That is not something I'm willing to do right now. That was right. a half a million dollar surgery. I'm not willing to go through it again. Um, and it was a lot of discomfort and a lot of recovery. And so, mm -hmm. but yeah, these are things that we don't talk about. Um, we don't talk about those variations, but the medical community knows by and large that not 100% people are going to get inoculated. There are certain benchmark numbers that they look for. Um, I think it's somewhere around the 60 or 70% mark is that what they want to see, um, mm -hmm. which makes this very different. They're actually pushing for much, uh, larger margin of numbers with this. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's what has people suspicious. So, yeah. Well, I but, think uh, I think I heard the that Joe had said the other day that he actually wants it to be like ninety eight percent, and I'm like, that's impossible. There's no way that it's ever going to hit. It, it, I don't even know if it's ever going to hit seventy, let alone ninety eight percent. Without you know, uh, like the guy from Project Veritas that's talking about I'm uh, going around with a blowgun or a blow dart gun. Blow dart, and, yeah, yeah, like a blow dart, and and just put the vaccine to people unwillingly, like without doing that. Like I don't think it, it's it's ever going to reach the numbers that they're wanting. And right. I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people agree with me that this is not really about protecting American lives. That this is about filling their pockets. The more vaccines they push out, the more boosters they push out, the more of these pills that's that is mis, you know miraculously going to be you know, done within a few months. Like it's, it's all about filling their pocket with, you know, big pharma because everybody knows that big pharma runs pretty much everything. Absolutely. And we don't know what the offshoots are going to be, right? So long-term mm -hmm. studies have not been done on this thing. Um, so we don't know long-term what other things are going to be developed out of this. Um, right. You know, later on down the road, you know, a person may have to be reliant on other medications just to survive mm -hmm. um, for taking it. Uh, we just don't know these factors yet. So, yeah, um, yeah it's it, to me something that has a 99.98% survival um, in most age categories. It's just not mm -hmm. worth it, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, I don't know if you heard this or not, but New York just recently announced the state of emergency due to the short staff of the hospitals. I believe that this is something that we're going to start seeing more frequently across the U.S. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Um, you're seeing it everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. They're not they're not talking about it on the news. But if you're in the industry, we um, we're very vast industry, but we're a very small industry. And in the mm -hmm. fact that we all know each other. Um, and there is talk going around and it is shortages, just like in any, any industry, you're seeing help wanted signs everywhere. The, the medical community, um, by and large has been suffering for about 20 or 30 years. We have had a shortage and that's something they, ha they haven't really talked about, but we've had an actual nursing shortage for a little bit over 20 years. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And that, that's broken down to different factors. Um, most colleges only accept 20 students at a time. Um, and, you know, it's a very competitive program. Um, rightfully so. That's, that's not, that's understood. But at the same time, um, we get very frustrated in the industry because we know that the burnout rate is very high. Mm -hmm. People work for about 10 years and a lot of people don't survive past that point just because 
the energy level, the everything. I mean, it's, it's a mental game. It's mm-hmm. a physical game. Um, and you're just, a lot of times you're taken advantage of in the medical field. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going on everywhere. I think they're just not talking about it. Um, but yeah, there's lots of shortages. Okay. Uh, I just want to address what Scott said. He said, do you agree more that, uh, comorbidity was the cause of the rise in the death toll? Like uh, the Scott, the thing is like, we, we've been knowing that, like, I think it was last September that the CDC actually released that out of all the COVID deaths, 6% is from COVID alone. Uh, so 94% of the, the COVID deaths had some one reason or another that they died. They just happened to have COVID. Right. And we know that with comorbidities, like we know long-term case studies on most infectious diseases, um, they, they always suffer. They always have a harder time, whether it be a diabetic or somebody who's severely, grossly overweight. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of factors there. Right. But, um, I would say probably, probably the biggest one is diabetes because Mm -hmm. it goes undetected often. Oh, wow. Um, and then I would say next to that is heart disease also. So Mm -hmm. my background being in a dental office, we actually catch a great deal of high blood pressure. Um, the, the ADA didn't always, um, have us doing that, but now Mm -hmm. chair side, we are taking blood pressures before we work on a patient, even if we're just cleaning their teeth. And oftentimes, oh yeah, I like I, now that you say that, I'm like, I know the last time I got my cleaning, they took it like because they had the cool the cool wrist one. Because I remember yeah. being like, oh wow, that's really cool that they have the cool wrist one, but you got to go put the big stupid cuff on when you go to the hospital. But they yeah. took the wrist on me. I'm like, this is new. Like they, yeah, that's kind of I right. never even thought about it. I just thought it maybe something happened. So a lot of times people will come and get their teeth clean, but they're not going to their doctor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because they they're like, I feel fine. There's no need for me to go. Or you have maybe uh, the stigma men that don't want to go, you know, I don't, I Mm -hmm. feel fine. Like, I don't care what age I am. I'm not going to the doctor. Um, I was married to one of those. He refused to go to the doctor, but so oftentimes we catch high blood pressure the first time in the dental chair. Um, and you know, if it's, we use a chart, um, if it's Mm -hmm. within, um, you know, normal range, of course, we're going to go ahead and clean you. Um, but there's certain ranges that we won't even clean your teeth. So we would refer you out the door and ask mm-hmm. you to immediately go get seen. And a lot of blood pressure issues get caught that way. Um, so a lot of our protocols make sense. And mm-hmm. a lot of our protocols are based off of long-term case studies. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm kind of wrapping around back to the medical field is that we everything we do has a rhyme or reason. And it's always been based off of long-term case study. And the thing about the vaccine, and this is what science tells us, is that vaccine immunity is brief. Mm-hmm. And natural immunity is broad. Yeah. So we know that. Um, and so to push any of this, they, they didn't even, they don't push the flu vaccine this way. They don't push mm-hmm. the shingles vaccine this way. Um, so it is, it, it's just a fish. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's no really better is. way to put it. It's just, and the more they push, um, the more resistance they're going to see because yeah. people 
tend to back off even more. That's just mm-hmm. how we are. Yeah. We're kind of rebellious in that way that the more you try to make us do something, the more we're not going to, or the more suspecting we get that yeah. there's something nefarious going on. It's so funny so. that you say that. Cause I just said that recently, like if they wouldn't have pushed this vaccine on us as hard as they did, I think they would have had a better turnout. Absolutely. The fact that they're pushing so hard, bribing Americans uh, it's making us all suspicious, like, um, but why? <laughs> right. And then the fluid changing science, right? So uh-huh. we, at this point, a lot of people are second guessing so many things. They don't know which way is up. They yeah. don't know if they can even trust their family doctor at this point because mm-hmm. they're getting so much jumbled of information. They'll turn to one person. They'll say one thing. And it literally happened to me today at my own physician's office. The oh, wow. the medical assistant that was taking my blood pressure told me one thing because it kind of like under the cover, like to ask people what they think. And uh-huh. And then my doctor comes in and then his nurse comes in later and they all said three different things. And I thought, wow, this is really uncomfortable. You guys <laughs> need to be like having huddles or morning meetings and getting on the same page. Right. But yeah. So, I mean, and that's just on a small scale. They're only yeah. seeing, you know, a hundred people a day, but you're talking about nationwide mm-hmm. and then the media is involved and then, uh, you know. Uh, TikTok doctors and yeah. whatever else may be going on. So everybody's got an idea. Oh yeah, everybody has an idea. Um, I think I forgot to ask, or maybe you, maybe I missed it. What state are you in, if you don't mind sharing? I am in Georgia. I'm about 20 miles north of Atlanta, uh, the city limits of Atlanta. Okay. Um. So yeah, I'm in okay. a fairly conservative area, but mm-hmm. as you know, the closer you get to Atlanta, we. We are blue. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, a lot more of that is accepted there. And, um, but I've been kind of able to stay free and clear of it. I did have to give up my corporate job. So I'm, I'm joining a private practice next month. Um, but yeah, so we've all kind of had to make some changes to adjust, but I think it mm-hmm. depends on if this is a hill you choose to die on or not. And right. this is definitely one I am choosing to take a stand on because I believe so strongly against it. And I will not be taking it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sorry that you had to lose your corporate job, but I am glad that you have something lined up to fall right back into. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're very much welcome. Uh, so do you know of any hospitals that, I, I mean, I've heard of a few that are, they're backtracking and they're starting to rehire those that were dismissed due to not complying with getting the vaccine. Is that happening at all in the Atlanta area that you know of? That is happening. So the recent protest that I partook of, Um, It was literally across from a hospital that had just been procured by a corporate entity um, literally just two months ago. And because of the corporate entity, they did mandate it, um, which was surprising in our small town or small Mm -hmm. area. Um, And lots of people lost their job. I know a neurosurgeon that literally stepped away from his job at that that hospital. Yeah. So, um, you know, I... I'm not the smartest cookie in the jar, but I'll tell you, neurosurgeons are. And if he's telling me he's not going to take it, I'm going to take his advice. <laughs> right. I mean, they, they, they're they like super, super smart. So do you know if any oh, yeah. of them are like starting their own practices? Because I know up in Michigan, I, I was talking to Kat about this a few months ago, that there's some doctors that walked away from the hospital that are now going to start their own practice because of the whole vaccine mandates that hospitals up there weren't even seeing patients if they if they didn't right. have a vaccine, which is bullshit. But uh, do you know if anything like that is happening there uh, in Georgia? 
It is. And actually, one of the physicians in my family, um, the man that my sister married, um, his uh, sister and brother-in-law are both physicians. Um, he has continued working for a corporate entity. And then she has branched off and opened up her own private practice. Nice. Um, and she's doing very well and she's enjoying it. She makes her own rules. That's the best part. Um, when you've been in corporate a long time, they beat you down with a lot of red tape. And at the end of the day, it just kind of equates not being able to treat the patient. Before we move on, buddies, let's take a quick break. Welcome back. Now let's continue on with the show. We're finding ourselves in the healthcare industry, having to do more and more and more paperwork and not, you know, being able to palpate the patient, meaning our hands on the patient. And it's really mm -hmm. unfortunate because for us old schoolers, that's where, how we started in clinical medicine is by um, being able to touch and see and fill our patients and spend yeah. time with them and not our, you know, our tablets. So, right. I think yeah. you're going to catch a lot. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I feel like you'd catch more things being able to actually put hands on versus like looking. There's some things that you're going to be able to feel versus see like your swollen lymph nodes. You're not going to see swollen lymph nodes. I mean, you might if they're like super duper swollen, but you know, right. usually you feel them. I don't know. That's just, me. but there's just so much regulations placed on the medical field. So many people are dictating treatment to the patient before mm -hmm. the physician ever even goes in the room and is the one to actually treat the patient. That's the unfortunate part mm -hmm. is that it's, it's entities like insurance that are dictating course of treatment to patients when clearly they've never even seen the patient face to face. So I think in my opinion, long-term, all of these things are going to have to be rehabbed or changed. Um, I believe in like a single payer type of insurance, um, mm -hmm. kind of like auto insurance where it's an a la carte type of thing. If you yeah. don't need cancer care, then you don't pay for cancer care. Mm -hmm. If you need maternity coverage and you don't, there's men in corporations who are paying for maternity coverage on their healthcare insurance. Obviously, oh they're never going to have children, but they're paying the upcharge of all the other women that are going to be having them. But that's, yeah. you know, sordidly unfair, right? Yeah. And I'm sorry to say it. Sorry, women. I didn't burn my bra. So I will say this, that, <laughs> um, <laughs> that I feel like we've done ourselves a disservice and that if the shoe was on the other foot, we would be out there protesting about that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how, you know, I think long-term the healthcare industry is going to need a major overhaul in order to accommodate our future and to make it better, just period. And I think we all kind of know that. But. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's up, Bill? Hi. So I had Hi. to I had to ask a quick question. I think when it comes to healthcare reform, me personally, I think that the single biggest thing that would help is tort reform. How do you feel about that? I don't know that I'm familiar with that specific term. Okay. Can you kind of explain? Basically, tort reform gets rid of a lot of the frivolous lawsuits. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I go in to get a vasectomy and something happens to where, you know, I can no longer get an erection, then, you know, yeah, there's a lawsuit. But the the little silly frivolous lawsuits that cause uh, doctors and practices to pay these outrageous insurance premiums, I, I just feel that tort reform – would call would solve so many issues. Plus, what you said, the one size fits all, and being allowed to sell insurance across state lines. Right. 
Right. So it's competitive healthcare insurance. It's where they're right. at. They're, those companies are actually competing for your business. Um, and right. what happens in a competition business is it drives prices down consumers. Um, and so I think long term that is, you know, definitely beneficial. But you, um, I wasn't familiar with that term and I will, I promise to look into it. But I would say that right off the cuff, um, it sounds perfect to me because we do combat everything we do in the medical field. And the whole reason that it's all about paperwork is you can thank your fellow lawyer for that um, yeah. or your fellow American who has to literally sue over every little thing, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a hangnail. Um, and so that and it's it's preventing doctors treating patients the way they want to. I, I worked for a cosmetic style practice where we did, a you know, a lot of cosmetic work, but we ended up having to drop breast augmentations because the malpractice insurance on breast augmentations is so ridiculously high because by and large, people who receive breast augmentations are typically not happy with it. So you do a lot of repeats in those cases. Um, And so what happens is they're unhappy. They go to uh, sue the doctor or the physician. And it just, so that umbrella alone is a million dollars a year just to be able to do breast augmentations. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I've never heard that verbiage before either. Um, but I agree. Like I, I, and I think that's just with everything. I think that a lot of these lawsuits, just because people are just looking for a quick buck and I don't, I don't think that's, that's okay. Like, I, I think that if you went in and the doctor the, did the best they can, unless there's actual legitimate malpractice, like just leave it alone, you know? Oh my God, right. the doctor looked at me cross-eyed. I'm offended. And I'm going to assume for millions of dollars. Like that's not right. Not saying that's ever happened. I'm sure it's happened actually. I don't right. Know. Right. Um, right. Do you think healthcare is a right? Mm, that's a dangerous line to get into. <laughs> so I would say yes and no. There's many variables to that. I think basic healthcare um, is a right obviously of every American. Um, I cannot speak globally. Um, what I can tell you is that what I can speak on is that socialism doesn't work. Um, I had the opportunity to spend some time in Brazil and do some healthcare mission work there, um, in the favelas, uh, which is right outside of Rio de Janeiro in the poorest areas. And those people typically receive what we would equate to free health care. But the problem is, is that what we don't know about socialist health care is that they go on a list and they get escalated on that list, uh, you know, due to, you know, how important it is at the time, right? And mm-hmm. money still trumps in those areas. So if I have a few thousand dollars to pay for a standard procedure and you have nothing, I'm going to get seen before you do. So that's why those people are still sitting outside waiting for Americans to come and provide free health care to them mm-hmm. because their own government is is not providing it to them. So even though I believe on a you know basic human level that, um, you know, general healthcare in itself is a, is a human right. Mm-hmm. I do understand the expense, the costs associated with that and the stress that it puts on a nation. Um, so I think we have to be realistic when we're approaching that and we're talking about it. Uh Oh, Oh, it was getting so good. Oh no. Uh, I have no idea what happened. She just, yeah, the feed just, just dropped. 
Yeah. Maybe she maybe she got a phone call. Chef, it, it, how are you, buddy? It, I know. Oh, wait, here she's coming back. Uh <laughs> okay, there she is. I don't know if her phone died or whatever, but she's back. Okay. That's yeah, it. Welcome okay. back. Uh, I'm back. I don't know what happened. Well, well since we uh, since we got a break in the action, I wanted to kind of piggyback off what she was saying. I think staying healthy is a human right. I don't know if health care is a right. And the reason I say that is I don't think something can be a right if it is dependent upon the service service of others. Does that make sense? I, I just feel like if you you cannot force people to treat you. Does that you see what I'm saying? Uh, I think doctors and people in the healthcare industry in general, more specifically nurses, CNAs, and people like that, I think they get into, <coughs> excuse me, they get into it originally to help people. Mm-hmm, right. And then the money gets in the way. I really believe that in my heart. That's the reason I got out of healthcare. But I, I just don't see how it could be a right if you have to force somebody else to do it for you. You see what I'm saying? Right, right. Yeah. I, I well, can see that. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, it's kind of like uh, devaluing someone's work, too. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like if somebody comes into your place of business and you're selling something for $500 and you try to swindle them for the service for two or three hundred dollars right you feel kind of offended that somebody would only offer that amount to you so Mm -hmm. we're no different you know we're professionals and we study a craft we put a lot of blood sweat and tears into honing our skills and education too because a lot of what we do is a lot of what you don't see also so we have continuing education courses we're constantly working and learning um our skill And so I think, you know, there is a certain level of kind of devaluing someone's knowledge, their education. So we do have, you know, student loans and bills and everything that we have to pay for, too. So I think one of the biggest misconceptions about money in the healthcare industry is that doctors are just naturally rich. And that's that that's a complete falsehood Mm -hmm. Um, because they also have big lifestyles. They have large student loans. um, They have high malpractice insurance. They have overhead. They have offices. They have staffing costs. Um, So um, I never really understood that until I worked my way up into the operations management portion of healthcare, And then I realized that, wow, staffing expenses are, are literally the most expensive part of profit and loss statements on running mm-hmm. any kind of healthcare business or any business in general. Um, and so um, when we knock down procedure costs and things like that, we're taking away from our provider's income. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that when, cause it, cause one it's, I, I gotta be really careful about how I say it. And I fucking, I'm just going to say, so you're going to end up overwhelming like the staff and the staff isn't going to put forth the care that they need. Um, I do think that everyone should have the right. I don't really want to say the right, but they shouldn't be turned away because of like lack of insurance. You know what I mean? I I, I agree with that. That that there should be something, there should be something that, that kind of helps those that, that don't have the money to pay for life-saving surgery. You know, like, I, I don't think people should be turned away. That That's where my issue is. And I think that um, Trump was working on getting the doctors and the hospitals to itemize, you know, care because they're getting, people are getting gouged. You're, you're paying a hundred dollars for a freaking Band-Aid. Like, I, I think that things should be. Well, itemized. it's insurance. It's insurance. Mm-hmm. 
So if I go in as a self-paying patient, I promise you nine times out of 10, because of my knowledge of what, you know, knowing how to speak um, with these professionals, right? Mm-hmm. I can get out of there for far less than actually utilizing my insurance um, on co-pays and deductibles and co-insurance. Um, so the reality is, is that uh, the the prices on these procedures are not fair in comparison of what they charge the insurance because the insurance is dictating the fee for mm-hmm. those services. Um, and most of the time it's completely out of line. Um, so I'll give you an example. When I was going through all of my back stuff, um, my insurance would only pay for so many MRIs and I was having to have them kind of regularly. Mm-hmm. And um, my insurance for a procedure like that would be charged anywhere from three to $5,000. But when I paid for it out of pocket, it was literally $300. Wow. So then maybe the issue isn't going after the hospitals. Maybe the issue is going after and regulating these insurance companies. It absolutely is that 100%. Wow. That's crazy. The things you learn. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Yes, it is. It's always about money. Um, so kind of going back to like the whole COVID and the medical field, do you know anything about like the COVID patients in your area? Like, I don't know what, what kind of information you're like. Privy I know to a with. little bit. I mean, um, I'm actually a little bit on the CDC website to kind of keep it like close by, but, uh-huh. um, so do you know anything about like the patient demo, like the COVID patient demographics? Like, are they vaccinated? Or are they unvaccinated? So we have in my County, we have very low numbers. So, okay. um, but from everything that I can Everything that I can see is that we, um, we're not pushing it as hard as some counties that are closer Mm -hmm. to the city. So, um, you know, and I watch those things. Um, I follow, um, the Georgia public health and the CDC, obviously Atlanta is the home of the CDC, kind of an embarrassment at this point, (laughs) kind of a claim to fame. Um, yeah. But um, I'm seeing, you know, the schools and um, just different, like, the thing that really kind of boggles my mind, drives me absolutely insane, is all these festivals. So Georgia Public Health is doing a ton of, like, festivals and um, just freebie kind of days to entice people to bring their kids and to show up. And they're getting, they get, you know, part of all these raffles and giveaways and things like that just, just to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's, they're, they're pressing on with that. I'm, I, I honestly don't know how fruitful it is. I, it's not really been a place that I want to hang out or go yeah. <laughs> check out. So I have kind of stayed away from that, but, um, our hospitals are really full because the, our surrounding hospitals are very short staffed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that comes directly from somebody I know that works in three of the five surrounding hospitals. So um, we are very, very short staffed here. So we are overwhelmed. We're busting at the seams and it's not due to COVID. There's a lot of other things going on. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, just to clarify, I don't, I mean, I can't speak for like the Atlanta hospital, but I know that this is for many hospitals nationwide that when, um, like, especially the media, when the media says that 
the the beds are full, the hospitals are full. It doesn't mean that every single bed in the hospital is taken. Every nurse right. and every doctor, they have like it's like one per five or, or uh, what per one nurse has five patients or something like that. So yes. because of the short staff, that's why they're saying they're full. Is because they're short staff doesn't mean that every single hospital bed is full. Yeah, it's Just, the ratio. So yeah. they have ratios that they have to look at um, at the beginning of every shift. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually went probably during the middle of the pandemic for my first back surgery. It was an emergency um, and I had to be transferred to another hospital. And the ward that I was literally supposed to be staying on after my surgery, the entire ward was shut down because they only had one employee show up for that entire floor. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. Bro. So I think the people who are coming into work still, um, mm-hmm. they're they're tired, they're exhausted. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they are. Um, I don't know what my dog's issue is right now. I don't know if you guys can hear him, but he's yeah. throwing a freaking fit <laughs> oh. right now. He's fine. Um, so, okay. So you said that you that it's a mix of everybody. That like as far as like you guys being you know quote unquote full. So do you know anything of, of, at all about the I, the reason why I'm asking is because I'm trying to see who is being accurate. Cause obviously the news isn't telling us the truth and I can't listen to everything that's said on TikTok and social media. So I'm just curious at like how, if I I'm sure it's mostly unvaccinated. That's, that's getting hospital stays, but they're pretty much saying like it's zero people that's like vaccinated. That's being hospitalized, which we know is it true. I'm just curious what the kind of percentages as far as right. vaccinated versus unvaccinated that are staying. I would say here in our county, it's it's hovering somewhere around thirty percent. Thirty percent of the COVID are vaccinated. Okay, so thirty percent of the COVID patients are vaccinated. Yeah, that's actually kind of a significant number. I feel. I think anything over ten percent for vaccinated is pretty significant. Yeah, and I kind of had an offshoot conversation um, when I went to the doctor today with my nurse, and she once the doctor was gone and everything and she was like in the clear to kind of freely speak, she told me, she said, you know, ultimately it comes down to once the patient gets into the hospital, it's all about the protocol. The proper protocol measures are not being implemented and they're being censored from using what needs to be used. And therefore they're not receiving the care that they do. And then when they end up on the ventilator at that point, the patient just goes downhill very quickly because at that point their body is now can relax. They're relying on a machine to do all of the work. Um, and uh, that fight just becomes a little bit more intense. So um, I think it, it's all about, you know, censoring and suppressing certain medications and protocol. You guys mentioned earlier. Oh, and for those of you uh, listening, Jen had to go take care of Huron and or Sheldon. So I'm just stepping, I'm just filling in for her real quick. Uh, I, you guys were talking earlier about the Project Veritas video and obviously the blowgun dart thing. Mm-hmm. What obviously you've seen the video. Yes. What was your interpretation? What did you make of that? Uh, those two videos released by Project Veritas. Well, I'll be honest with you, as far as, you know, it being, 
it being a tool in our tool chest for our party, I feel like it kind of was not done well. <laughs> um, I, I, I loved the first video. I think it was very strong in information. Um, mm-hmm. And it came straight from the horse's mouth, right? So you heard the physician in the background saying a lot of things. Um, she was very funny. She had a lot of candor uh, going on, but she... Um, she was very bold and brazen about speaking the truth that, you know, they're they're not reporting these numbers and they're not doing these certain things and they're not allowing these certain medications. Um, so you you heard that on camera. And this is a person that didn't know that they were being kind of talked to by this HHS person. But then you so so you're coming off kind of from a high. Right. You got this awesome bombshell first part video and then you go into the second one you're kind of expecting to keep momentum and that's kind of not how I felt about the whole thing I thought it was kind of weak um Mm -hmm. I feel like they kind of attacked this poor gentleman they kind of put him in a corner um he you know obviously they were the drinks were flowing um and he kind of in my opinion was just kind of making some funnies I'm not certain that he bought the whole blow dart thing because at one point he says that sounds very Germany. So he's obviously yeah. very in touch with um, what our, our thinking is and how people are mm-hmm. feeling about the whole situation right now. Um, right. So I, I, I don't know. I just didn't. And then they did a part three. I don't know if you were able to see that one. That wasn't, that one was a little I'm, bit better, but I've, I've not seen the part three yet. So I'll definitely check that out tonight. But the part one, it was like, wow, this is absolutely crazy. And then part two, right. it, it you're interviewing a finance guy who just happens to work for the CDC. Who yeah. cares? Yeah. Okay. Obviously, he's an uber woke liberal who is borderline okay with Nazi Germany tactics. I mean, who cares what this bean counting pencil pusher had to say? That exactly. was a that was a really piss poor one. Uh, Project Veritas is so hit or miss for me. Um, but the well, first part. I feel like they have a lot of strong content, especially when it comes to very, very serious issues like this one. Right. Um, And Mm -hmm. they know, you know, this is kind of a sink or swim situation that we're all in right now. We need very Mm -hmm. powerful testimony. Um, We need, we need strong facts out there. Um, We're, you know, we're already made fun of enough. uh, Right. And so Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it just kind of was a disappointment for me um, because I feel like they could have done a lot better. But I don't know if it was, you know, during that whole time of filming and everything, they were they lost their place in New York City due to the floods and everything. So I'm not certain mm-hmm. if, you know, something was lost in translation there or they kind of had right. to speed it up. It kind of just felt like they shoved it in there because they needed content. <laughs> well, let me ask one quick question, then I'm going to get out of this. But <laughs> because I thought this was hilarious. Uh, Norway and a few other countries, Singapore, and I can't think of any more off the top of my head, they've now announced that they are just going to live with the disease. They're going to live in the pandemic and they've removed all COVID restrictions. And I was wondering, actually, I'll ask both of you what your thoughts are regarding that because my initial thought was, okay, back in 2016 and 2020, Bernie Sanders boys, woke liberal leftists, yeah, America should be more like Norway. 2021 hit. 
Norway decided to do what? No, <laughs> I might. I'm gonna head it's a funny out. Funny place we're li- funny place we're living in right now. Things are all, all of a sudden. Down. All of a sudden, Norway is the devil. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, because it about? goes it goes against their narrative. I mean, I, we already established that with pushing the vaccine and pushing the boosters, it's filling up their pockets, not just their buddies' pockets at Big Pharma, but it's they're getting kickbacks. So us going back to life everyday normal life with things unrestricted like they're not going to do it they're not going to give up the control they're not going to give up the the money it's just that's just my opinion right so yeah there's additional funds with that my my governor he took a lot of ppp money right and i think that honestly um in the beginning with it being such a fluid situation i use that word more times than i ever thought i would and i get so irritated when i use it but i can't find any other word right because things just change so fast in the beginning um but no one really knew what was going on and so i think i'm not saying that any level of thievery or corruption is ever should ever be tolerated but i don't think that he really quite knew what he was getting into um and then of course some things that happened you know he, he kind of went to go speak out on some certain things after taking that PPP money and they kind of reeled him back in and I won't Mm -hmm. go into depths of that but um if you know my area you know what happened to his Mm -hmm. girlfriend's uh boyfriend um Uh and that was a warning you know it was kind of like you know we're we're warning you that we gave you this and you're going to keep your mouth shut now so um but you know to go to go back to what um Bill said is you know I think we know this with viruses. So the faster we try to get rid of a virus, that's what forces it to mutate. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so typically a virus, it takes eight to 10 years to mutate into anything else. Mm-hmm. So the confusion is, is that why, why do we already have listed out variants, even variants that haven't been released yet? Okay. Um, I don't know if you've seen those lists, but there's Uh actual terms for them. Like if there's this, then it's this. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Um, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, they're all, um, sorority names, Mm -hmm. um, and which can be tied into high society, AKA elites. So you Mm -hmm. can go down your own rabbit hole with that. (laughs) That's not, that's my following of my thinking, but but I think I, I have kind of an old school mentality. So when I was a kid and you got chicken pox, mom had a party. Mm-hmm. Everyone on the block came over and you infected everybody with chicken pox that hasn't had it yet because we knew that the older that you got and when you get them when you're older, it's worse. It's harder yeah. to recover. It's very uncomfortable. And so th- that's my personal opinion is that kind of everybody just needs to be shoved into a room. We know at some point everybody's going to get it. Let's get it. Let's get it over with. Mm-hmm. Um, because in my opinion, um, the flu numbers have drastically dropped where's the flu? Yeah. Right. It disappeared last year. It only a thousand and like 69 cases in all of 2020 were reported where literally the year before we had over a million documented cases of flu. It's insane. So when you plummet like that, it's obviously a problem with the PCR test. Well, they knew that once that they came out with that information, the CDC posted it on their website. 
they knew that they had to come out with an answer for that. And the answer was that the PCR test was calibrated inappropriately. Mm-hmm. But at that point, you've already lost faith in it. You know, we've already lost faith in you. So we're not going to listen to anything else you say. (laughs) So in my opinion, it's a variant of the flu. Um, People do unfortunately still lose their lives over the flu. So that's Mm -hmm. what we're seeing as we're seeing um, immunocompromised and the elderly and all of those situations. Those are the people that are losing their lives or the underlying health concerns that we don't know about. Yeah. So, okay. So I got one more question. Um, and this kind of takes us back to like last year when this all first started, um, especially with you being in the medical field. I've had a few friends that's in the medical field that's, I guess, verified this with their place of employment. I'm just curious if this was just maybe a specific area or if this is like an actual nationwide. So we know that they did not accurately report the number of COVID deaths. Like they're still not accurately reporting it. Are hosp- were hospitals truly, and maybe they still are, are the hospitals getting kickbacks? from the government reporting deaths as COVID deaths? Do you know anything? From my understanding, that answer is yes. Wow. That's insane. Like, I I just, it's so hard for me to like wrap my head around all of the corruption that's going on and trying to figure out how do we stop it? What's up, Bill? I I do have to interject real quick from a legality standpoint, or even from an ethical standpoint. I think we need to ask if you can elaborate because when you say, because that's a very serious allegation and uh, saying that these hospitals are getting kickbacks. And I think we really need to expound on that a little bit, if you don't mind. Sure. I mean, this just comes from inside friends that I have that work in the local areas. um, And they're being told from, you know, all these people talk. We have friends in the industry. Um, If you work in a hospital, you have friends from different departments. Um, And from my you know, I unfortunately have no hard proof to bring you. Um, I'm not a whistleblower, so I can't present to you hard factual evidence. I'm, I work in dentistry operations, so I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not an operations manager at these places. I would, I would clearly try to stand on the right side of history and provide that type of information if I did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of me is kind of like, I should, you know, I should have gone in the back door of a hospital <laughs> and started becoming operations there. So I can, you know, help, help our cause a little bit better. But, um, but yeah, and being told that they do get kickbacks, um, which is, which is why, but just today in the news, um, they did release that um, they are admitting that a lot of these cases got reported inaccurately. Um, so there's kind of your proof there. I think yeah. I think at this point, they're not able to hide it anymore. I think they're getting to a point where there's so many of these cases and so many people are speaking out that they can't, they can't hide it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched dozens and dozens of personal cases and testimony on that this person, you know, they lost their life due to a heart attack, not due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're proving that these tests are inaccurately, t- you know, testing people too, where do you go from there? They may po- yeah. they may not have even been positive, but they happen to have a heart attack or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Um, and I'll tell you, I'll leave you with this. I have watched an earlier video today um, where where a nurse um, pulled out a swab kit and she didn't even swab anything and put it on the um, slide and it tested positive. Oh, wow. 
That's crazy. And I, you know, I've, I've seen stuff like that again. I, I, when it comes to like things I see on TikTok, I take it with a grain of salt because I know how, um, deceptive people can be and manipulative yeah. people can be. And this wasn't and, you know, TikTok, but yeah, I mean, right. I, yeah, yeah, so there's... I take things like that with a grain of salt, but the fact that that stuff like that is actually happening, and and the only thing I can really say is if any of you are out there that actually have like hardcore proof that this type of corruption is happening, I I think you should really consider coming forward and and being a whistleblower. Like I I know that's like it's hard it's a hard life choice because you know there's your career and. You got a target on your back, but I just feel like if more people would blow the whistle on things, then I, I just, I don't know. I just think something good could come out of it. What's up, Bill? Uh, I think it's also important to know that uh, obviously there's false positive tests. Okay. That thing, stuff like that happens. It happened to two of the members of that clucking chicken head show. What, what the view? That's it. <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah the, the, those chicks. Uh, so that just recently happened. And I believe that was real. Right. I don't think that was a PR stunt or anything, but I think it's also important to note that of course there's misrepresented numbers. Look at uh, Andrew Cuomo and the thousands of people in New York who died, but it wasn't reported. There's mm -hmm. allegations against uh, governor, Florida governor Ron DeSantis and misreported numbers in Florida. The difference now is that DeSantis, uh, I, there's nothing that's been proven and Cuomo, there was things that were proven and, you know, take that for what it's worth. I'm really not trying to politicize it, but I also think it's kind of funny how these numbers being misre misrepresented targeted the two party top candidates mm -hmm. to be next president. Yeah. You know, you say you don't want to politicize it, but the thing is with, when it comes to coronavirus, it, it is political. Everything about it is political. So far, it's, it's hard, it's yeah. hard to deny that. And it's hard to remove the politi the politics from the virus. I guess that's mm -hmm. one thing that's great about uh, like places like Norway and Singapore. They've not let politics play yeah. the role. Right. They decided that we're and just going to low numbers. You know, this. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you okay. Know, I'm sorry, but I, 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 no, you're fine. Yeah, I did think that that was important to know that it wasn't just, you know, a rogue warriors hospital or rogue warrior state. Even. <laughs> right, it's, right. It's, no, all, yeah. it's all over the place. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, man. That's crazy. I, it's all politics. I, I think if we would have just followed the science from the beginning, instead of making up science as we go, Dr. Fauci, then I, I think we'd be the same way as like, you know, Norway. What was it? Singapore was the other one you said. Yeah. India, India looks good. Um, and they sent out like care packages to all of their citizens. And mm -hmm. those care packages were like less than $5 or something like that per individual. Mm -hmm. And literally provided them with everything that we know that works, right? Zinc yeah. and vitamin D, ivermectin, um, hydroxychloroquine. Mm -hmm. And they've kept their numbers very, very low. Yeah. And their death toll very, very low. So, um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the answer is to squash it at this point. I know that yeah. once it all gets completely and truly revealed what we know mm -hmm. in our spirit, it's going to be crazy when people wake up to what has been done to them. Yeah. This crimes against humanity. Oh yeah. It, it really, it really has been. Um, so before we let you go, I know you heard us talking about like our top 10. I know that this is like really putting you on the spot. So if you want to just tell us your top five favorite fast food places. 
Okay, sure. This is my favorite food. This is my favorite topic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Five fast foods. So I would say um, Popeyes. Uh, Can can you hear me? Yeah, we can. We can still hear you. You're frozen, but we can still hear you. Oh, maybe not. Might have just lost. Oh, wait. And she's back. back. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's okay. Um, I would say Popeye's. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say Wendy's is my next one. Checkers is the third. Um, uh, Culver's is number two. Oh, that's a good one. And um, Chick-fil-A is definitely number one because I love that Christian chicken. Yeah, (laughs) I I still cannot believe I left God's chicken off of my list. Um, Okay, where can people find you if you want them to follow you on social media sites? Sure. So you can follow me at TikTok. It's Rogue Warrior underscore one. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at jlundy2417. I don't have a whole lot of articles or more of that's personal, but, um, TikTok, I do a lot of that stuff. Um, I did get rid of my Twitter finally. Um, and I'm on the verge of losing my Facebook page because I'm being banned all the time. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, I would say the most informative place is TikTok right now. So, um, but you can always email me too. It's Jessica M. Lundgren, L-U-N-D-G-R-E-N, like Dolph Lundgren, at gmail.com. So. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, thank you. I really I, appreciate you. Yeah, I'm so glad that you joined the conversation. You, it was just, it was very, very informative. Um, we're going to throw you in backstage for a little bit while we close it up with some Gen Gen thoughts. All right, so we are starting to see some, so many things come to light. Things will not always go our way. But I'm a firm believer that in the end, good will always win. The truth will always come out. We might not get the outcome that we're wishing for or hoping for, but at the end of the day, the truth will come out. What truly matters is the truth and making people aware of what is really going on. So those on the left that are severely in denial about the state of our country, I challenge you to open your mind. You all claim to have open minds anyways, but you always close them when it comes to anything negative your side does. Wake up. Be that woke person you claim to be. See what is happening. Realize that this is no longer about right versus left. This isn't black versus white. This, is, this isn't vaccinated versus unvaccinated. This is us versus them. The regular American citizens against those that are running, or should, should I say ruining this country, they're not doing anything for the people. Everything they're doing is for themselves. Everything they are doing is to fill their own pockets while grasping at the control of the people. This is the land of the free. We need to keep it that way. Look at other countries. Really look at them. See how free they are compared to us. We do not want to be like them. At one point, everyone wanted to be like us. We need to get our country back and go back to being the beacon of hope the world saw us as at one point. I hope you all, left and right, think about what I just said. Go back to love thy neighbor. Go back to everyone having the right to their own opinion and their way of life. We are allowed to have a difference of opinion and live our lives the way we want, as long as they do not harm another or infringe on someone else's rights. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's harming others or infringing on their rights. I know we can get this country back. We just need to work together. I hope you guys all have a great rest of your week. Thank you so much to my guest, Jessica. Thank you to my producer, Bill. And thank you, buddies, for tuning in. 
Bye for now.